This is an Odyssey original. This is KNX In-Depth. I'm Rob Barch. And I'm Charles Feldman. Paris, ah, Paris, the city of lights. But it's not so romantic. Why? Creepy little bed bugs. Those creepy little things in the bed. We'll go in-depth whether Southern California also needs to worry about any massive bed bug infestation. An idea quickly catching on amongst Republicans is invading Mexico to stop drug cartels. And a Biden family member has been booted from the White House. We'll tell you all about the bark and bite behind the story. It's it's a rough one. So we start with bed bugs in Paris and beyond. Jim Fredericks is a bug expert. He's with the National Pest Management Association. Jim, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. So I was just actually in Europe, not in in France, but nearby, and it was definitely news all over Europe, not just in in Paris, about their alleged bed bug infestation. So the question I have is a twofold one. Uh, Is this something, in fact, that's new and we need to be concerned about? And what about here in good old Southern California? Well, uh you know, bed bugs have been on the rise uh, worldwide, uh, certainly in Europe and the U.S. for the past two decades or so. For a good oh, 40 years, since the early 70s, bed bugs were not common uh, in the West at all. And uh, uh, but based on, you know, some changes in, uh, in in control practices, some changes in travel patterns kind of brought about a resurgence in bed bugs. And so it's not surprising that Europe is seeing this um, uh, is seeing a, a bed bug resurgence right now. Uh, L.A. Uh, yes, L.A. has bed bugs and bed bugs are common in Los Angeles. Uh, it turned, you know, L.A. typically ranks among the, you know, the top 10 most infested cities or so uh, in the U.S. Um, and but all large cities have bed bugs. It turns out that um, so L.A. is no different. The reasons for that are um, lots of people. Living in close quarters means lots of food for bed bugs that's readily abundant. When we mix in lots of travel, people moving around, it's a perfect recipe for bed bug infestations. What do bed bugs feed on precisely? They feed on one thing, and that's blood. So uh, as if Tasty. we had planned this for the, for the Halloween season, these are blood-sucking pests, and they only eat blood. Sounds like some of my family members. <laughs> but uh, well, I'm just saying Don't what it say is. Who. No, I won't say who. But uh, how do we get rid of them? I mean, they've, they're on the, the increase, you said, from all the reasons you gave. It does freak people out. I don't mind saying that I have a severe prejudice against all insects, frankly, but bed bugs, I'm not crazy about. I'll admit it on the air. I hate them. I don't like them. I wish they would go away. I want to figure out if I had them, how would I get rid of them? So how would I get rid of them? Sure. Well, it's a good question. And bed bugs are one of the most difficult pests to control. In fact, this is one of those pests that we encourage people, you know, to call a pro. Um, It's not a do-it-yourself project when it comes to bed bugs. Um, it, there's a number of different things that um, that professionals will do. First of all, they're going to do a complete inspection of a property to make sure that we know where the bed bugs are found. Uh, despite their name, bed bugs are found in other places other than just a bed or a bedroom. 
it turns out that any place that people spend time resting for long periods of time uh, could be a place where bed bugs will set up shop. So if you have family members that are uh, maybe somebody sleeping on the couch, uh, that's a place where bed bugs could be. It, we also see bed bugs in places like movie theaters, uh, buses, trains, places where people are, are resting for long periods of time are a perfect place for bed bugs to find a blood meal. So how do we... There must be some way to, I want them gone. I want them eradicated. <laughs> I want them off the face of the earth. Do they do any good, by the way? Do, do they contribute in any way, shape, or form to anything? Well, that's a great question. Off the top of my head, I can't think of something that bed bugs are good for. Uh, and uh, But eradication has been, uh, have been a problem. You know, just like any pest, these are, these are, these are uh, critters that, that have behaviors, uh, that um, that make it difficult to completely eliminate them. Since time immemorial, people have been battling bed bugs. It's thought that um, bed bugs actually made the jump from feeding on bats, perhaps in caves, to people who took up, you know, living in caves and then kind of migrated around with people. Um, they are excellent hitchhikers. And so um, if you decide that, you know, you have bed bugs in your house and I'm just going to move, right? I'm just going to move out. Um, bed bugs will come along with you because when they're finished feeding, they don't stay on the person. They will go and hide in cracks and crevices. Oftentimes that's cracks and crevices, maybe so, in a bed frame or a nightstand, but they can also get caught up in your luggage or right. your stored items and move right along with you. So and, bed and bugs are well associated with people. How do you figure out if you have them? There's a couple of, um, there's a couple of telltale signs. The first would be the bugs themselves. Uh, secondly, would be the shed skins or the exoskeletons. So you can imagine like a snake sheds its skin, bed bugs do the same thing. If you see those, um, those, but you will also notice in heavily infested areas that bed bugs, after feeding on blood, they have they leave behind fecal spots. So dark uh, specks or spots, oftentimes on sheets or around seams or tufts and folds and mattresses or other furniture they do wow. they do sound like family members they right. just do. <laughs> what a great start to the show jim fredericks thank you so much entomologist uh, entomologist uh, he's a bug expert by the way uh, we did reach out to some bed bugs for comment uh, yes. they chose not to communicate with us i mean they're disgusting they just they are, are. They are. And they don't, good for nothing and they don't write apparently they don't contribute to anything yeah. other than to make for really gross segments <laughs> on shows like this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We we should check the studio, by the way. Yeah. What 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 is that on your head? <laughs> I, now I'm gonna be paranoid all day. I know, and, and that's why I said that. Right now, though, some Republican presidential candidates and members of Congress, they're floating the idea, ready for this one, of military intervention in Mexico, the US going into Mexico to fight drug cartels, whether the Mexican government allows it or not. Nathan Jones is a drug policy and Mexico studies expert at Rice University's Baker Institute for Public Policy. Nathan, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. So when I, I was reading about this the other day, my first reaction was no one is really serious about this. And then I read more and I thought they are serious about this. At least some people are. Are they? Yes, I, I think they are becoming serious about it. And a lot of it is driven by uh, Donald Trump and the policies uh, he thinks will work politically. Uh, unfortunately, the reality is such policies will not work 
either militarily or diplomatically. Yeah, it's got to be a violation of all kinds of international laws. But I'm thinking of if uh, some other country uh, said that we're going to invade our neighboring country because we've got to do something about the drug problem. I think a lot of us in America covering that would look very askance at that and say that's uh, just a pretext to invade another country. And people would say that about the U.S., wouldn't they? Uh, I, I'm sure that would be a criticism that would be leveled. Yes, definitely. Well, I mean, but but let's play this out. Uh Let's say it happened and and we I don't know if invasion is the right word. We somehow went into that sounds very diplomatic. We went into Mexico uninvited. Um, Could it in some way actually work? Because the Mexican authorities are notoriously corrupt. They haven't done a very good job uh, over the decades in cleaning up the drug problem in Mexico, largely because of the demand problem here in the U.S., but nonetheless, uh, I mean, could it actually work? No, because these uh, fentanyl, and we're talking about this specifically related to fentanyl markets. That's what's driving all of this. We've got 110,000 overdoses here in the United States. About two-thirds of those are specifically from fentanyl. Fentanyl has come on very strong in a way no other drug really has. And so now we've got politicians who are using war language as an attempt to respond to that. But if fentanyl labs early on, we've had some recent Sinaloa cartel indictments from earlier this year. In 2014, for example, they were some of the earliest entrants. Um, maybe early on, there were some centralized labs at this point, though, the precursors are, uh, produced in China, possibly India. We're, we're expecting a transition to that. They end up in Mexico. The precursors are mixed together in quote unquote labs. There are so many, this is going to be a decentralized system. So the idea that you could just go and target one lab with, um, special forces, a special operations or some kind of. Uh, missile strike or something like that. These are the ideas that are being bandied about. That it would have any effect on the overall market is is kind of silly. And then you, you got to game this out even further. All right, you got drugs yeah. coming in uh, from the cartels operating out of Mexico, so you know we have to invade Mexico. But you know Canada could look at us and say, "Hey, you got all those drugs that have come into your country, and they're coming into Canada from you guys." And then Canada invades the U.S. Uh, I don't think that would fly. I'm just I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I don't think that would work. Yeah, yes, it it certainly would not. Um, yeah, and that scenario is unrealistic for a whole set a series of other reasons, including the power distribution between the United States and Canada. Um, but the best way to move forward with Mexico, if we actually want to address the fentanyl issue, is through bilateral cooperation. And then we've got to have a multi-pronged approach if we actually want to address fentanyl. We've got to work with countries around the world to get some controls and regulations internationally on uh, fentanyl precursors. And we've got to work uh, bilaterally with Mexico on specific interdiction strategies We've and also building up their state capacity to do it themselves. Mexico only raises 16% of GDP in tax revenue. The OECD average, by contrast, is 34%. Wow. So even if we're not taking into account corruption, they're running a country on half of what a normal country runs on. And that means there's not salary, money for salaries for police, good salaries for police, that makes them corruptible. Uh, the penal system is weak. The judicial system is weak. 
and local police, uh, state police and federal police are weak. And then there's been this really dangerous tendency toward militarization of everything. Um, AMLO, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the current president of Mexico, uh, built a national guard right. force. And it's kind of a gendarmerie force that splits the difference between the military and law enforcement capacity. Right. And the truth is, it's basically run by the military. All right, Nathan. Uh, Nathan Jones, say we got to leave it there. Thank you so much. A drug policy and Mexico studies expert at Rice University. Uh, Rice University's. Ba- I got a bed bug in my mouth. Well, it's, uh, hard, it's hard to University's say. University's Baker Institute for Public Policy. That's a mouthful. I got it out. Later in the show, there's a lot less bark in the White House. We're going to tell you about why a certain very disruptive member of the Biden family has been booted out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You know, reporters have had dogged determination in chasing down this story, and they've caught it. Ooh, I know what you did there. <laughs> I, I caught you in it that one. I you know, know I low-hanging know. fruit is not going to pick itself. Somebody's got to do it. But it wasn't even low-hanging fruit. The fruit was on the ground. It was on the ground and <laughs> rotting. It was on the ground. I, I picked it up and put it in the barrel. Yeah. Uh, right now, though, President Biden slammed former President Trump in the past for building a border wall with Mexico. However, the Biden administration now waiving some laws to build additional border barriers in Texas due to the high number of illegal crossings. Ernan Molina is an L.A.-based political political analyst for Estrella TV. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. So on the one hand, the Biden administration is kind of portraying this as, as his hands are tied. Uh, he's got to do this. He doesn't believe that a border wall is the answer to the situation. On the other hand, uh, border uh, illegal border crossings are a problem, an ongoing problem, a problem that, that is getting worse right now. And a border wall may or may not help. It depends on how you look at it. Uh, where where does this fall? Does this turn out to be a kind of a, a, a kind of a sneaky win win for Biden or a lose lose? I think it's a lose lose. Not only because the border continues to be very porous, and within the Democratic Party, there are some people who are saying we should welcome these people, but also within that same Democratic Party, there are people who are saying, like the mayor of New York City, the governor of um, of uh, Illinois, the mayor of Chicago, are saying, we are overwhelmed, we need help. San Diego, same thing. So this is uh, not just a headache for Biden, this is a migraine. It's a migraine of big proportions because in, on the polls, particularly with dependent voters, they are very dissatisfied with uh, immigration policy, which is not just a problem of the Democratic Party. We are all, actually all being witnesses to the carnival, the, the House of Representatives, has become with the speakership issue. So this is both parties' lack of a cohesive or at least a a consensuated um, uh, immigration policy, but obviously that's for a different conversation. But this uh, border issue is a a problem for for Biden. It's a political headache, more more like a migraine. Well, okay, but but does he score points with some, uh, if not Trump voters, at least some more conservative Republicans when the presidential election comes around, who might have been uh, disinclined to vote for Biden because of, uh, you know, he wasn't building the wall that Donald Trump promised to build kind of thing. And now he could say, well, yeah, I kind of did. I think he I think he gains more uh, of support with those independents who are currently dissatisfied with the way the border policy has been has been handled. And in the view of many of these voters, we are having an invasion. So this needs to happen. The problem for, for Biden ultimately is how this 
impacts in, in the overall performance of his presidency, which is not great. The poll numbers for, for a for president who's facing re-election are not fantastic. On the other hand, you have Trump mired with so many legal issues that for the base are neither here or there, but for the independents who most likely will end up voting for some sort of a repetition of uh, the last election where they were seeking somewhat of a return to normalcy. So this issue of the border security may be an important issue, but overall, they're going to perhaps go back to say, Biden may not be great, but it's better than this constant circus that we have with Trump. All right, Hernan Molina, thank you so much for joining us, LA-based political analyst for Estrella TV. You're listening to KNX In-Depth, along with Rob Archer, I'm Charles Feldman. Hollywood studios in sang are set to meet again tomorrow for another round of negotiations to try to end this actor's strike, which started in July. There are reports that some progress is being made. Yeah, you know, we've talked to many people hit hard by this strike and the writer's strike, which, of course, is now over. Troy Edelston is a prop maker. Now, we talked to him in uh, late July, I believe it was, because he was out of work and trying to figure out how to pay his bills. Well, he's back with us now. Troy, I uh, hope you're well. Thank you for joining us. So tell us how things have uh, shaped up for you. Hi, Charles. Uh, thanks for having me on today. Um, things are pretty much the same as they were back then when I uh, came in and spoke with you guys before, um, except I've been able to develop a bit of a rapport with uh, my neighbors by playing neighborhood handyman. <laughs> neighborhood handyman. How does that work? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's been word of mouth. Uh, a lot of my neighbors have just been picking me up for uh, uh, odds and ends around the house, of, you know, problems that they have, like maybe a door doesn't close, um, tile needs to be grouted. Um, you know, the list goes on, just different little things that uh, they need handled that, you know, they don't want to hire a big contractor over to do, just little things. So I've, I've been, uh, you know, nickel and diamond my way through. Uh, you know, get my bills paid and uh, keeping a roof over my head. Mm. Uh, do your skills as a prop maker help you with that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I couldn't imagine what I would do without the skills that uh, that, that that I do have. Do you have uh, a sense now that the writers' uh, strike is over, and there are more talks uh, between the uh, uh, producers and SAG after? Do you have uh, realistic hopes that this is now soon going to finally end and you can go back to work uh, as a prop person? Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. It's 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 a we're still not out of the woods yet. Uh, that's that's how I feel about it. I mean, we still have. Uh, uh, we still got the actors uh, thing going on still. And I think that when we go back, uh, it's going to start off kind of slow and spotty because we have the holidays coming up. And there's a lot of holiday pay out there that I think the producers don't want to put out. They don't want to uh, get things started off if we have to take time off for, you know, because we have a lot of, you know, 40 weekends coming up. And uh, it's just it, usually this time of year, every year, it's kind of slow. So if it does start up anytime soon, I think it's going to be just kind of a slow start spotty here and there. And I think that probably after the new year, uh, we'll be going full. We'll be going full blast. Um, everybody will be working probably be bringing, bringing uh, new people in 
And there might be some extra work, too, because as as I understand it, there might be kind of a crunch, a production crunch, as uh, everybody tries to get up and running with some projects they've had to put on hold because they don't want to wait too long because then they've got other projects behind those they've got to catch up on. So uh, Uh, it it could turn turn out to be well for you if you can hang on. Uh, Let's put that positive thought in your head. What's the first thing you're going to do once everybody's back to work and and you're uh, comfortable again with where you are? Well, first, I'm going to try to get used to getting up at, you know, 420 every morning because uh, <laughs> that's been that, that has been my usual schedule. But uh, it's like I said, I think it's just going to be it's going to be a big crunch when we do get started. I mean, if it happens in November and we start we start hitting this thing hard or even in October, if we start hitting this thing hard and we start getting all the backlog stuff uh, going. Uh, it's time to start thinking about our contract. You know, what we have to uh, look forward to in our future, because, you know, I have my son in the business and he's young and I'm coming up on the verge of retirement myself. And it just seems like they want to they're, they're going to want a million things done and they're going to want 10 pounds of things put into a five pound can. You know what I mean? And it's and it's just going to it's just going to make for uh, more time away from family. Um I'm cu- I'm curious about something. You were saying that you're making a living now by helping your neighbors out as as a, a kind of a fix it person. Yeah. Uh, but since they know that you're a prop guy, has anyone asked you to build anything really? I don't know. Weird. Mm, you know, what? not really. Uh, they'll they'll have a situation like let's say there's a um, like a gate they have on the side of their house that they want to open a certain way, and they want it to you know to be. Maybe so that somebody from the outside can't tell that you can open it from a certain direction. You know, I'll do it in a style to where, you know, my prop making skills will come in handy and I'll make it look like a, a gate that doesn't open with a handle or anything. Interesting. You know, things like that. All right. Uh, Troy Edelson, thanks so much. He's a prop maker. He's been uh, kind of uh, cooling his heels for a while as the writers and the actors went out on strike. So the writers are back. Actors could be coming back. Uh, a lot of people hope very soon. Well, you know, we were talking before about uh, how many of us might have a family member that we wish would just go away. Right. And and many of us do. Yeah. I mean, send them away. And some of us are lying and we say we don't. <laughs> but but many of us do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it turns out a Biden family member has been unceremoniously, maybe ceremoniously for that matter, removed from the White mm-hmm. House. It's because he's got a history of biting people. Biting people. Biting people. Uh, Huge scandal. Uh, We're not talking about a person, though. It is uh, Commander, the president's two-year-old German shepherd. Jonathan Lemire is the uh, White House Bureau Chief for Politico, host of MSNBC's morning news show, Way Too Early. Thanks for joining us. I see what you did there. Yes, Light you did. Another another Biden family member. Another Biden uh, family. And, and you know this this is a, this is a very big scandal. Maybe one of the biggest uh, political scandals in the history of our nation, perhaps the world. Uh, but uh, my question is this: All right, this dog commander uh, has a history of biting people, uh, Secret Service agents, uh, some White House staff. Now, dogs are generally a good judge of character. So what? <laughs> What was it about these people that he bit? Have we looked into them? Well, the old saying in Washington is, if you want a friend, get a dog. That apparently does not apply, (laughs) though, to President Biden. Um, Yes, Commander has had somewhat of a problematic run at the West Wing, and you're right. It's a huge story, and I'm grateful this is radio, so I don't have to keep a straight face for this. (laughs) Um, That it does, there has been reporting in the last few days uh, that um, Hunter Biden has been a number of Secret Service agents. We knew some of that. 
Um, but now it has apparently also been some other White House staff um, and the, believe the Daily Mail has a picture uh, snapped by a tourist commander mid-bite. Uh, mid-bite. Latching on, mid-bite, latching mid-bite. onto a staff member's arm. Uh, and we've been told that, at least for now, commander is, is no longer on the White House grounds. And to be fair, um, you know, the White House is an unusual place for anyone to live. Uh, including a dog, and it does seem like this one it is still not quite settled in. What what exactly has anyone figured out? What exactly Commander's problem is? I mean, was he? I don't know. Was he raised by Republicans? What was the issue? <laughs> yeah, he's actually attempting to be Speaker of the House. Uh, he, they <laughs> fit, fit right in with some of the crew there uh, on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, you know, Commander it was is new. It was a gift from. Uh, the president's brother, uh, soon after he took office, after one of his other dogs had passed away. Uh, and the Bidens have since told aides they weren't quite sure that they wanted to have a, a new dog, a puppy, uh, in the White House. But they, they certainly couldn't say no. Um, but Hunter, but Commander has kind of come in and out. Uh, he or during After some previous incidents of biting, he went to live at, the, at their first couple's home back up in Delaware uh, with some family and friends. Uh, but then he returned to the White House. Now he's off again. I heard a uh, dog expert say that, and I'm being serious, perhaps part of the problem, at least with the Secret Service agents, is they have very stern, unpleasant looks on their faces because of their jobs. Their job requires them to be vigilant. They don't have time to be laughing and joking around. And maybe the dog read into that and uh, reacted with hostility. Is there any truth to that? I mean, it's possible. I mean, the Secret Service agents are not exactly known for their smiling facial expressions. They also carry big guns. Uh, and the other dogs that are around campus are the Secret Service, the, the police canines, uh, who, you know, you're supposed to stay away from and such. So it, 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 I'm no dog expert. Uh, I certainly won't hazard a guess as to why Commander seems seems to, prone to biting. Um, you know, he also, let's recall, uh, that it was during the transition when President Biden actually tripped and fell playing with his uh, new dog and actually broke a bone in his foot. Uh, it was then a walking boot for a stretch, you'll recall. And and his doctor has said um, that partially why the president kind of at times his gait is a little halting is because that bone never really quite uh, quite healed properly. So, um, you know, Commander has definitely left an impact on this uh, on this presidency to this point. How do we know, Jonathan, that a commander has not been taken to a CIA black site? <laughs> Uh, well, um, you know, th- there was a lot of work in the Senate. Uh, in fact, the late Senator Dianne Feinstein uh, spent time uh, trying to get those away from uh, CIA's uh, practices. But yes, ah. the jokes are <laughs> abound, um, some better than others, obviously, uh, in terms of commander's future. That with the press office has said at the White House that they, they do anticipate the dog returning at the White House at some point, but they haven't said that. All right, Jonathan, I am about to blow the lid off of something here, and I hope that you have the resources uh, to look into this because Uh-oh. there Uh-oh. there is a, a theory, and I think there's something to it, and, it, and we need to investigate. We've mm. got to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think this story about uh, the president's dogs, uh-huh. uh, now commander, uh, I think it's covered. It's covering up for a bigger scandal uh, in the White House. Now, I don't know what's behind this scandal or what it's about, but I do think it is kind of odd that suddenly on social media we're seeing a lot about Willow the cat, who is now back in the White House. And I think there is a bigger scandal that's being covered up here with the dog biting people. You think and it, it's very suspicious. You think the cat is. is yes. What's going on with the cat? And the can you look into that, Jonathan? Do you think the cat's behind uh, this? I, the cat might be behind it. Well, could it be, Jonathan? When did the cat know and when did the cat know it? Yeah. 
Guys, I, I I missed some of that because I was busy clearing the space of my mantle for the Pulitzer that will come uh, <laughs> for this investigation. Uh, so I will get right to it and yeah. discover if indeed Willow the Cat is the mastermind behind that. <laughs> Cats are always the masterminds. Well, they're sneaky for one they thing. They are. They're yeah, very sneaky. They are. Jonathan uh, yeah. Lemire, thank you so much for joining us, uh, helping us get to the bottom of Commander the Dog, uh, the German Shepherd, uh, the Biden family member now out of the White House. and. Uh, uh, we hope not being sent to a CIA uh, farm upstate. <laughs> now, you see, I, I think you, you're onto something. I think I am. I, no, I do. I think I think that there, there's a possibility because right. Washington is filled with political intrigue. Exactly, and, and there's there's backstabbing going on. Yeah, and yeah. I and you know, cats are very capable of backstabbing. They are the geniuses. Because they have that look in their eye. Exactly. They look like little sneaks. They know what's going on. Yeah, all right, all that's it for uh, KNX In-Depth today. It was it was rough. Oh, oh, but it was the cat's meow. It was. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe we'll yeah. be back tomorrow at 1 p.m. <laughs>